Uh, good morning, everyone. It's great to bring you God's Word uh, from James chapter 3. Uh, we're in a series uh, in the book of James, which is all about real faith. Uh, we've already seen in the book of James that real faith actually impacts the way that we live in many different ways. We've seen how real faith changes the way we handle trials. Uh, we've seen how Real faith changes the way that we approach God's Word. We have a living relationship with the Word, and then we put it into practice. Uh, it changes the way that we treat people. We no longer treat people based on their appearance, but we treat them with grace and love. And last week we saw how real faith is costly. It, you know, God calls us to live lives that we wouldn't normally uh, live uh, if He hadn't called us to in His Word. And today we'll see how real faith affects the way that we, we actually speak. We, we, we use our words. Uh, more specifically, it shows us how God views our words and how real faith changes uh, the way that we speak. So before I read James chapter 3, uh, let me pray and ask God uh, for his help to listen uh, to his word and to put it into practice. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, please uh, be with us now as we open your word. Uh, would you speak to each and every one of us? Uh, please uh, give me uh, clarity in the way that I speak, that I may communicate your timeless truths in ways that is useful and helpful for your people. Uh, please remove distractions from our minds. Please soften our hearts. Help us not to resist what your word is calling us to do. Please enable us to humbly sit under your word. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, let's listen to God speak to us through his word in James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? 
neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You may have heard the saying, well, this was exactly how I grew up in my younger years. Uh, I never threw a punch, uh, but my words certainly packed a punch, if you know what I mean. And that's just one example of how we use our words. We, we can use our words to harm and we can use our words to, to bless. You see, all the studies tell us we actually speak thousands of words each and every day. Not to mention our text messages, our emails and posts on social media, which if taken into account would probably be in the millions. Uh, But in all seriousness, uh, we do live in a technological age uh, and it's changed the way that we we speak. It's changed the way that we communicate. Uh, Too often, there is too little thought given to the words that we use when we talk or when we text. Uh, It can create confusion and conflict. You see, words are powerful. Uh, We all know this to be true in our own lives, don't we? Uh, Maybe uh, you've been hurt by words of others close to you. Maybe you've been lied to or criticised or attacked. Or maybe in moments of weakness, you've used words in ways you wish you hadn't. You see, words are incredibly powerful, the Bible says. In Proverbs 18, it has the power of life and death in them. And so to say that words are important to God is a serious understatement. Uh, Because in the Bible, we see that God creates all that exists through words. We see Jesus, our Lord, described as the Word, and we see the Holy Spirit inspiring the written Word of God that is before us. And so what about us, though? How are we to use our words? Does the Bible say anything about it? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, The book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom in how to use our words. And same with the book of Psalms. Even Jesus spends a lot of his time addressing the significance of our words. And so we come to our passage uh, this morning in the book of James, and it shows us how God sees our words, how he views our words, and what real faith looks like in how we speak. And so our first uh, point there, if you have your outlines, is that our words guide You see, our words influence those around us, those under us, especially if you're a teacher or a leader. You see, that's why James begins with a caution to all teachers and would-be teachers in verse 1. He highlights the fact that we'll all have to give an account because, because, why? Because our words guide others around us. Look at verse 1 with me in your Bibles. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for, we, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You see, we're judged because our words guide. And this, is, this verse is not just for teachers or would-be teachers. It's for those who are in authority. So if you are a boss at work or if you're a leader in some capacity, if you're an elder or a parent, If you're a principal or a lecturer, you get the picture, don't you? This is covering a a wide range of people. 
And it also applies to those who might one day be in those positions and one, one day teach others. You see, our words guide others. And James presses this home by using two very clear examples in verses 3 and 4, showing us that our words lead and guide many people. Look there with me at verses 3 and 4. It says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Uh, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Have you ever been on a horse? Uh, these, these horses can weigh almost a ton, and yet just a small piece of metal in its mouth, controlled uh, by a person on top, will be guided wherever the rider desires. If, you don't, if you've never been on a horse, that's okay. It's kind of like a steering wheel of a car. It's the same, it's, it's exactly the same, pretty much. Or have you ever been on a ship or a boat? You see, some of these boats can be thousands of tons, and yet the rudder, which is tiny in comparison, uh, just directs the ship and the crew wherever the pilot desires. You get the point, don't you? Our tongue is small. And yet it is very, very powerful in guiding and leading others. <clears throat> it can move people. It can even move a nation. You see, the potential to do good without words is quite high, as is the potential to do harm. Uh, we'll see that a little later on. Uh, maybe you've seen this in your own life. Maybe your words have been a blessing to others. Maybe you've led others with your words. Or maybe your words have led others down the wrong path. Or maybe uh, you have been guided by the words of others. And you see, oh, this is my own story. I can testify to uh, men and women who have, who have used their words to guide me, to encourage me to pursue ministry. And that's part of my story. I wonder what your story is like. You see, our words guide others. The issue is not that our words can influence others. Uh, the issue is that we all stumble with our words. And James says as much in verse 2. I wonder if you caught it there. Uh, look with me. It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Uh, you see, words are powerful, but, but we all stumble, don't we? Or, or is it just me? You know, maybe you'd like to guide others well with your words, uh, but more often than not, than not, you put your foot in your mouth. Or maybe you, you, you try and guide others with your words and you're enthusiastic, but sometimes you just, you just go that little bit too far. Or, or maybe you've done it before, you've, you've guided others with your words and it's actually not gone as well as you'd hoped. Is there any hope for you in James? Is there any hope for you and me when we use our words, when we stumble over our words, when we try to guide others? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Who is the perfect man in verse 2 that James is referring to who, who never stumbled over his words, who led and guided many people? Uh, who's, who's the good teacher who, who guided people to love and know God? 
Uh, who's the one who still guides us with, with precious words like, it is finished, peace be with you, and I'll be with you always. It is, of course, the Lord Jesus. Uh, so we need to look to his perfect example and what he's done for us in our place. We need to see how his perfect life, his death and resurrection, enable us to guide like him. We need to follow his example. Now we need to be speaking the truth in love. We need to be speaking life-giving words, words that guide and direct people towards God. And when we stumble, we need to confess it to God. We need to seek forgiveness from those we've hurt. And we need to ask God to enable us to guide others are using our words as he desires. And so our words do guide others, and they can also burn others as well. Uh, and this leads us to our second point. Our words can burn. Uh, there is a, there's a potential power in our words that can actually inflict pain and harm on others. Uh, we see the vivid imagery there in verse 6. Look with me. It says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You see, James is saying our words, though they can guide, they can actually cause great harm. They can burn. I wonder how you go uh, with words like that. Have your words ever contained just a little bit of heat or maybe a lot of heat? Have you ever said harsh words only to regret them later on? You know, I have. I'll be the first to admit. And James, James, James expresses this uh, vivid truth with another image of a bushfire. We, we all know bushfires, unfortunately. Uh, we've seen the impact they can have. And what happens? They usually start with a very small fire. But they, they spread, don't they? They just go off and they destroy everything in their path. There's carnage, there's loss of life. It just brings us to our knees. And so James is saying that's what our words are like, can be like. Uh, they can contain just a little bit of heat, just a little bit of fire, and it can spread and spread and spread. Uh, do you want to know how to destroy relationships? Uh, do you want to know how to destroy a church? Uh, all you have to do is use just a little bit of fiery words. You just have to do a little bit of lies, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of slander here and there, criticize here, and then the whole thing can catch and spread way further than you ever intended. I've unfortunately seen uh, words at work in church uh, and cause uh, a lot of damage, a lot of damage. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It truly is. I wonder if you have an experience like that in, uh, in your own life. You see, James, James is saying we have a power with our words. They can really cause damage. And he uses another example of how our words, if they're not uh, kept in check, can cause damage in verse 7 about animals being tamed. Uh, look with me. It says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
You see, our tongues, when not kept in check, are like taking a Great Dane, a very excited Great Dane, into the middle of an antique store, right? It's going to cause a lot of damage. You better be prepared to bring your wallet and count that cost. And so James is saying an uncontrolled tongue, an untamed tongue, an unbridled tongue, that's just damage everywhere. We've got a real problem on our hands. And then he says in verse 8 later on that it is a restless evil. Our tongue is full of deadly poison. And so he's, he's, he's just repeating the same idea. Our words can burn. They can be corrosive when spoken with heat, with anger, with a bit of venom. And it can eat away at others. You know, I did a bit of Googling and I found out that the king cobra's venom is so powerful it can take down an elephant or a bear. Well, I did not know that. I've never experienced this, uh, as you could probably be aware. But um, yeah, so venom gets under the skin. What does it do? It's painful, tremendously painful. It burns. And that's what our words can be like when they're out of control. And so we've got a real problem here. Verse 8 tells us the big problem. No human being can tame the tongue. And so... Okay, we've been told that our words guide others and our words can destroy and burn those around us. So what do we do? If we can't control it, is there any hope? Well, again, yes, there is hope. We can go to the one who made the tongue. He can tame the tongue. It is, of course, God who can enable us to control the words that we speak. And therefore, we need to be praying that God will continue to be the ruler over our tongues. We need to depend on him uh, for the right words to say. We need to set our tongues aside and say, God, my words are your words. They're for your purposes. And that's what we are to do. Now, James has already said this in chapter 1. You know, we need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry because the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. You see the contrast here in verse 6 again. He said, he said, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness, and our anger produces unrighteousness, not the righteousness of God. And so let's think practically, because James is an incredibly practical book. Uh, how can our words bless rather than burn? Uh, we need to remember the gospel. Uh, we need to see how Jesus took the fiery judgment that we deserve for all our careless words, all our angry words, all our harsh words. And so that we don't need to endure the fires of hell. He took that for us. And we also need to see how the gospel actually frees us uh, to use our words um, to bless others. So instead of seeking to burn others with our words, to get revenge because they've hurt us, uh, we need to entrust God to judge uh, others justly who sin against us. So we no longer need to take revenge into our own hands. It's just like the cry of Psalm 10, a crying out for God to judge those who use their words against God, who oppress and who uh, curse others. We need to be like that psalmist and pray to God for justice and not use our words with a bit of fire, with a bit of heat, with a bit of venom. And so if, if those who have hurt us are a believer, uh, we need to accept the fact that Jesus has paid for their sin on the cross. We need to accept that. And if they're not yet a believer, we need to entrust God to deal with them justly at praying and hoping that they do turn and repent before it's too late. 
Uh, do you see how the gospel uh, changes the way we use our words? Do you see how real faith uh, changes the way we speak? You know, it, it, it captures thoughts like, I'm going to go over there and give them a piece of my mind and helps us pause uh, and reflect that that'll actually inflame the situation and therefore we need to be praying to be to be praying to God to be slow to speak and to ask him for his words we need to ask God to help us control our words so we'd use them for his purposes uh, can you imagine how uh, much of a blessing it would be if you know, in our homes and in our uh, workplaces, if we all used words like this, if we all paused and, and gave um, God control over our tongues in that way, prayerfully asking for him to work in us and through us. Uh, so we've seen how our words can guide others. We've seen how our words can burn others. And now uh, we'll see what our words actually reveal. So this is point three. Our words reveal what's going on beneath the surface, what's going on in our hearts. You see, James, having just explained what our words can do, that they can guide and burn, he now gets to the deeper issue of what's going on. Uh, he gets to the heart of the matter in verses 9 and 10. Uh, would you look at it there with me? It says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. My brothers, oh sorry, uh, for, for, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Uh, can you see what James is getting at there? There's an inconsistency. We're blessing God, uh, but we're cursing his image bearers. And this should not be. And to, to press this upon us, he uses, again, two very clear uh, elementary examples. Uh, we see it there in verses 11 and 12. Uh, look with me for a moment. It says, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You see, the answers are obvious. A child can answer these questions. Can a spring do fresh water and salt water? No, that's silly. Can a fig tree bear olives? No. Can a grapevine produce figs? No. Uh, these are no-brainers. Uh, these things shouldn't be happening. It's unnatural. You see, the point is that things behave like what they are. Uh, trees produce what their roots are. So the, the roots of a tree determine uh, the fruit that comes out, and the source of water determines what water comes out, as does the heart of a person determines what comes out of our mouths. You see, James is really latching on to his older brother's teaching about what we say and what we do flows out of our hearts. This is a heart issue. That's what verses 11 and 12 are getting at. And so... Your words reveal your heart, whether you have real faith in Jesus or not. But do our words impact our relationship with God? No, but they do uh, show whether uh, we are alive to God or not. Now that's the point here. See, I know many people who would say they're Christian, uh, but their lives and their words don't match up. 
You know, they bless God one day, sure, but they curse God and they curse people every other day of the week. You see, I used to do this myself in my younger years. I used to speak nice at church and maybe even at home, uh, but then when I would get out in public with my friends, I would go ahead and swear and curse anyone who I disagreed with or didn't like. You see, what was going on there? Well, well my words were revealing that I really didn't have real faith. I hadn't really repented and um, repented of using my tongue my own way. I was using my tongue for myself, for my own purposes. Maybe you're thinking, oh, this is just too much. You know, is God expecting me just to bless all the time and never curse, never stumble, never slip up if, if I have real faith? Well, no. Our sinless perfection will be in heaven, not on earth. But, but if you have real faith, you will be uneasy if blessing and cursing are coming out of your mouth regularly. Uh, you'll be uneasy if your words are putting people down who are made in God's image, being a curse rather than a blessing. You see, this can be subtle. This can be really subtle. You can, you can do this by nagging uh, or, or guilt trips. It can be obvious too. You can just go around criticizing people, attacking people, and accusing people. And so what should you do if you catch yourself doing this, if you feel uneasy about what's going on? Well, you need to repent and trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You need to confess your sin to God and ask for forgiveness of those who you're hurting. You need to remember the gospel, uh, how Jesus lived perfectly in your place, that he took the punishment that you deserve on the cross and that he rose from the dead so you can be part of God's forever family. You see, that's why James keeps referring to his readers, the believers, as my brothers. He says it three times in our passage, in verse 1, in verse 10 and 11. You see, it's all about being part of God's family. It's all about having a new heart. We're made new when we have real faith. And this will change the way we use our words. Uh, this is critical because now, uh, if you believe in Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can actually live consistently. You can actually speak cons more consistently as God works in you. And so your words will reveal whether God is working in your heart. If you have real faith in the gospel of Jesus, it'll come out in your words. So let me ask you a very personal question. Uh, what do your words reveal about you? If I were to get a tape recording of your words that you've spoken in the last week, uh, what would they say about your faith? Uh, would there be evidence of a readiness to repent uh, of using your words to curse people made in God's image? Uh, would there be evidence of, of a zeal to bless and build up others, motivated by the gospel? You see, James is an incredibly practical book. He's shown us what God thinks about our words, how our words can guide, our words uh, can, uh, can burn, and our words actually reveal what's going on in our hearts. One day, God will silence all those who speak evil, who curse his image bearers. 
And one day all of God's people would be with him in glory, praising and worshipping him, using their words to bless and praise God. Um, what a joyous time that will be. Uh, let's ask God to help us use our words as he intends until Jesus returns or he calls us home. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, in the quietness of this moment, would you please reveal to us how you wish our words to change? Uh, would you please refine and renew our hearts uh, with your words so that our words would reflect yours? Uh, would you help us guide others well to set aside our tongues for your purposes alone? Help us to use our words to build up and bless others rather than curse or burn others. Uh, please enable us to repent when we catch ourselves using words in ungodly ways. Would you pre please bring us to conviction of our sin and, and see our need, our desperation of uh, the Lord Jesus and his work on the cross in our place. Please enable us to control our words so they wouldn't go out and spread and cause damage and harm upon others. Help us use our mouths, use our words, use our uh, phones and devices in ways that are edifying and glorifying to your name. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.